Welcome to Crime Time. You're listening to Leonetti's Detection Selection. Welcome to Crime Time, a podcast discussing all things crime, thriller, mystery, sci-fi, horror, and psychological fiction. What? Uh, I'm Lee. That's Eddie. Hello. This is season five, episode ten. What? Ten again. So uh, this episode we are talking about Lost You by Halen Beck. Halen Beck. Halen Beck. We're talking about uh, part two of Stephen King's It movie. It. It. Chapter two. All right, boom. It. Chapter two. So. It's happened. It's here. Oh, we saw it. We ingested it. We got in the car afterwards. It was full of balloons. We were murdered by a clown. Ooh, so. This is actually our ghost speaking to you. <laughs> The quintessential experience. And uh, at crime time, everybody floats. So, it chapter two. I have been waiting for this. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, as soon as I heard, I think it was a few months it came out, like the promo came out, it said it's coming September 6th. Yeah. I started seeing those billboards everywhere and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm so ready for that. Oh, you made, yeah, and you made me watch the trailer, which has that naked old lady chasing um, Beverly. Beverly, and that, that scene where the, the old lady says, so hot you just want to die and then like I think this like they caught it so well the creepiest thing that someone can do one of them is just making prolonged no facial expression eye contact after they said something weird yeah yeah I get that a lot on this podcast stop looking at me <laughs> no okay so I guess we're gonna assume that people have some pre-knowledge of the book it or the film or have some idea of what it's about I think it's like in our popular culture. Yeah, but I'm going to, in a nutshell it, it, chapter one, bunch of kids get attacked by a scary clown. Uh-huh. Scary clown, maybe a demon. Who knows? They go down into a sewer. They learn things about childhood. And then they kill the clown. Or do they? Dun, dun. Yeah, that, that's my, during that, you no, know. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then can you tell us like a succinct explanation of like how that connects to chapter two? All right, so... They all, at the end, pinky swear. And by pinky swear, I mean horrifyingly cut open their hands with, like, a broken bottle. I need to stop there because it's such a thing, I think, in coming-of-age stories. Like, Stephen King, yes, because yeah. he writes so many of them. But just just in general, mm-hmm. that kids slice open their hands and, like, <laughs> blood brother it. You know what I mean? <sighs> and I just... I, look, can I just say, there was such a lot of that particular thing happening in popular culture that when I was a kid, I thought I was a bit of a wuss. I was like, wow, I haven't even sliced my hand open to promise something to anyone. I think I agree because I also remember thinking like, yeah, I kind of want to spit on my hand and shake hands with someone. Oh, I did that. I wasn't a baby. (laughs) But you know, like these weird things, you're just like, yeah, no, because... Because that's how it, that's how it's done. Yeah, that's how it's done. That's how a business deal is broken. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we started uh, crime time. <laughs> um, so and they all swear if if Pennywise the clown is not dead, they'll come back. Yeah, because in the history books, it's like he comes back every twenty seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, so he just impersonates, I guess, their worst fear. Yeah, and just really fucks with their heads. Yeah, and it's it's horrible. Mm. <laughs> 
So chapter two happens. Yeah. And I guess the first half an hour of the film is the old gang getting back together again. Yeah. So we see where the kids have ended up. This isn't a spoiler, but Pennywise is back. Right. Yeah. And Mike has stayed in the town. Yeah. He's noticed that hey, Pennywise is back, and he's mm. like, "That's it. Got to call in that blood promise." Yeah. And he goes around <laughs> and calls each of the kids, which are now adults now. Yeah. That's the usual progression of things. And just like calls them back to the town. He's like, "Hey, we made a blood promise. You got to get back here. We got to deal with." Pennywise yeah and this interesting thing happens is that they've kind of all forgotten so part of like leaving the town and leaving that experience is that they've kind of forgotten it so yeah they get this call but they have really bodily strong reactions to it look there's very strong like associations between like trauma themes yeah Um, I mean I would say as a metaphor it's not entirely heavy-handed but it is apparent yes I think Stephen King loves that yeah yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. So this idea of forgetting the trauma and then you have to go back and face it and you yeah. to like put it to bed, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. It's like Blues Brothers, but not fun. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to say about it, Eddie? Oh, okay, so I I didn't find the experience of watching it pleasant. Mm. And I don't think it's meant to be. Like, it's a horror film. You know what I mean? Yeah, you say that, but I do enjoy, fi- like, I have enjoyed, I do enjoy watching horror films, but I also didn't find it pleasant to watch yeah yeah it's almost like I had to suffer through it (laughs) yeah yeah so I think that there was a few things about it that was like it wasn't exactly that it was too scary because the scary moments for me I was like yes you know like the second where like you know something bad's gonna happen you're like oh no oh no oh no oh no like there's this scene where there's like a little girl Pennywise is talking to her and he's like oh, you just have to come a little bit closer. And then she's like, oh, okay. But she's like a little bit worried. And then you're like, no! <laughs> Don't do it! Don't, definitely do not! He's going to eat your head off! <laughs> he will definitely eat your face! Um, like, that was really scary. But then there were just other moments where I wasn't... I was mostly, like, grossed out. Yeah, I love the scary bits. I get excited about yeah, them. Yeah, but but yeah. But I think for me, yeah, gross... Like, and I don't mean gore, I mean grossness. Like, when that old lady attacks Beverly, it's really (laughs) grotesque. Yeah, it is. I didn't even mind that. I think for me, okay, so you have read the books, I skimmed them. Right, okay, sure, sure, sure. But you told me this really interesting thing that Pennywise is really connected to bigotry. So, um, when Pennywise is around, those kind of things start exploding. Yeah. Um, So, at the start, there's a like a gay hate crime. Yeah. Two queer guys are attacked, and Mm. one is thrown over over a bridge and it goes for like 15 minutes yeah. i read on the internet yeah um it's it's really awful and i think um a lot of people might be like distressed by yeah, it yeah definitely i think maybe because a lot of people know that feeling so mm. that there are these two guys that are uh, at a carnival being really cute and kissing and then this group of boys see it and just like their shackles are up you know and they go mm-hmm. after them and i think that even just watching it you're like you have such a yeah. visceral experience of what that is like fully i also think and and i think you pointed this out at the time uh that the way that the couple responds is quite not unrealistic well it's a bit unrealistic yeah so there's this moment where they kiss and then this group of scary boys kind of see it and like they're you know like their their attention is like immediately focused on these Mm, two guys mm, mm. and i think that if you're in a small town in Derry, and i feel like being in a queer relationship 
you know that people are always kind of watching you and yeah. it's not a paranoia it's just a really real thing it's a real thing that happens every single day people yeah. watch you yeah um, and you're always kind of quietly watching to see if you're in any kind of yeah, danger you're just checking and that's a real real yeah. thing and i think i was so concerned for those guys because i knew what it was for them to be a gay couple in that space in a small town and not be watching but I think that they would be watching yeah yeah that was yeah. the thing for me so I think this scene is actually in 2019 so I think it is ah, in present day wow okay um but having having said that I I still think if I was in a small town you know like you'd be aware mm. that there's there's certain things you watch out for and to me it felt like like there are definitely times when people stand up for themselves and it's like well I probably shouldn't have probably or not shouldn't have probably would have been safer not to mm. but it just didn't read like that yeah and it's not like a shaming at all of them no. and their behavior it's more like was this writing realistic yeah but i do know that it's based on a true event really but we don't know what how like we we saw what was depicted yeah. but we don't know what actually happened yeah and like these things do happen definitely these kind of crimes do happen but I guess starting the film off a horror film in a 15 minute scene like that, I don't know. I think that people often use like domestic violence or sexual mm, assault mm, or hate mm, crimes to like mm. get you scared. And it's like, yeah. oh, I came for a horror film, not, yeah. not real um, life, not real life or not like deep pain, you know? Yeah. And that's what I felt when they threw that boy overboard. I was like, yeah, deep pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing was, I'm not saying you can never depict that sort of stuff, mm. But in the book, they really, they make an explicit connection between Pennywise and bigotry. Mm. They say, look at Derry. It's so like backward. People are so bigoted. They're nasty and they're angry and they act all sorts of ways. And it's connected to Pennywise. Yeah. So I think Stephen King in the novel is drawing a, a direct line between antisocial behavior, which is what bigotry is. And Pennywise being this like evil, disgusting presence, and it's not that these things don't happen without Pennywise. But he stirs it up. He stirs it up, yeah. and he's attracted to yeah. it. Yeah, um, and he kind of feeds on it. Yeah, well, but, it's, I guess it's like a two-way relationship. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think that they really did that in the film enough to justify that scene. No, because there's also a scene where um, Beverly gets punched really hard in the face. Mm. It's very. It's all. It was also very horrific to sit there and watch. Mm. I, I didn't really get the message that it was wrong. Like, we know it's wrong. Yeah. We know that these boys being attacked is wrong. But yeah, yeah because you were told me in the book that there's this really strong line between, like, there's this really strong message yeah. that, you know, like, Pennywise is the, the horror here, but I guess he embodies, like, a bigotry, racism, yeah. homophobia, violence. Mm. Um, but I didn't feel that line was drawn in the film at all. No. No, I think it's really almost pointedly absent. Yeah. And I'm a bit disappointed in Stephen King. Like, you know, he was closely connected with the film. He was in it. Mm. And he was great in it. He was great. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was just a great moment where you're like, wait a minute, is that Stephen yeah. King? And or is like, that a hamster who's just put an entire carrot in its mouth? <laughs> and he was like reading a paper, so he kind of had to put it down. He's like, oh, I know those eyes. I know those eyes anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it was so good. He just has such a creepy voice. I don't know. I think it's his real voice, right? Yes. That's why I love listening to him read his books. Because right. I'm like, ah, oh, this was the voice that it was written in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are a few things that I like, 
you know, like I don't like gross mm. is, is my thing. So anytime it was one of Eddie's fears, which I guess is like a bit fitting. <laughs> so Eddie is the kid that's like, I guess, a bit of a germaphobe. Yeah. yeah. So he's afraid of like infection, cancer, cancer illness, sickness, lepers. And um, so he gets attacked by this like very schlocky leper. Like the whole point is that it's how a child would imagine a leper having no idea of what leprosy actually is. And yeah, so he's attacked by this like gross zombie guy with its tongue, with its tongue and it's trying to put its tongue in his mouth. And I'm There's like, lots of underlying sexual themes. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just like gross and rotting, and I'm like, ew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and for me that was just like really uncomfortable because I was like. Ugh. I think for me, it's like, I don't really like zombie films, but I think the thing that pushes it into it being gross is like him trying to put his tongue in the kid's mouth. Like, yeah. there's always like this underlying gross sexual violence or I don't yeah. know, just stuff that makes me uncomfortable and not necessarily in a fun way. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think that's the crux of my issue with it, both part one and part two, is this kind of threat of sexual violence to me isn't horror it's like no that that's just a thing that happens and isn't like that's more like like if i wanted that i would watch svu you know yeah. what i'm saying like yeah. i'd watch law and order yeah. um i want a clown to jump out of a cupboard and slam its face on a window you Which know he does and it's great it's so good yeah. when he does that. Like, <laughs> and like the acting i thought the adult actors were amazing yes what I also really enjoyed was the humor element. Mm. So they had a few really good actors that were really good at comedy. Yes. And I love that. I feel like there's this new thing of horror films having these uh, little uh, injections of comedy. Which I think is really good because that's how, especially me, like that's how I deal with a lot of fears. Like I will joke about them because I'm really uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. I think old school horror films used to do the thing where it's like, okay, it's daylight now and you get some relief. Yeah. But I think now it's like way more common that it's like an injection of humor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, yeah, I, the other thing I really enjoyed was that, so in the first film, we just saw the kids, mm. but in this film, we see mostly the adults, but a lot of cutbacks to the kids. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's this more enriched film seeing both perspectives. I agree. I kind of wish in some way that they'd done a giant mashed up film that went for like three or four hours. Yeah, so I would watch that as well. So the original, the novel is that way. So it starts with the hate crime and then Mike calls everyone and then you get flash back and forward mm. of them remembering things. Mm. And I think that that is really great. I don't know how you would sustain it across two films. Um, I don't know that you would make it through a four-hour film. <laughs> I was ready for it too to be over. Look, I'll say this. Yeah. For people that love the first one, I think the second one is even better. Yeah. Um, it's everything that it was meant to be. Mm. Uh, I'm sure it will do really well. Yeah. It's a great addition to the Stephen King universe. Yeah, which is very different to the Stephen universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> live your best life. I feel like people will love it. I There's just particular themes that I don't yeah. like. And I think take me to a supernatural horror film. Yeah. Don't take me to these like violent horror films. Yeah, yeah. Can I just say the ending was really satisfying. Um, there's a, you know, there's a few moments where I was like, nah, but you know, I, I was into it and I think it really stuck with me in terms of scare factor. Like last night I got up in the middle of the night because I have the bladder of a hundred year old man 
And I went to the toilet and my toilet is right next to the shower cubicle, which is glass. Yeah. So you can see through it. You can see through it, but it's dark. I didn't turn the light on. I'm not going to wake myself up for like a five second pee. You're not an idiot. I'm not, I'm no fool, (laughs) but fool I was because there is a scene in it where Pennywise starts slamming his head on a window. Yeah. And it's really terrifying. It's really scary. It scared the absolute shit out of me and I'm you know I'm on the toilet I'm doing my business (laughs) and I turn to the side and I see the glass you saw yourself I I guess I saw myself and I was just like well yeah maybe I saw Pennywise I was just like wow I'm gonna die (laughs) this is how it ends on the toilet like the lawyer from Jurassic Park (laughs) eaten by Pennywise (laughs) yeah so Look, I think I think it, the scares were really good. It stayed with me as well. You, you saying that, I remember last night I woke up in the middle of the night and I started to think about the film, like reflect on it, and I was like, actually, please don't. <laughs> right, <laughs> like not in the not in the nighttime. That's a daytime thought. <laughs> and also, I will say the I really like the resolution of the film. Like, I love the, look. We all know they're going to kill Pennywise, so yeah. I'm just going to say it. But I really love the way in which they did it. Yeah. I also love, and I just, I really have to say this because there's so many jokes about uh, Bill having crap endings to his books because he's a novelist. And I think it's a joke about, like, it's in the novel, but I think it's almost a joke about the fact that they changed the ending of the book for, for the film. Because, and I'm about to spoil the book, so skip ahead 30 seconds if you really care but let's be honest it's Stephen King it's about the journey it's mm. always about the journey mm. it turns out Pennywise is some kind of interdimensional something something and there's like an ancient like bajillion year old turtle that's like somewhere <laughs> inside like a dimensional rip and they have to like swing backwards and forwards like hurling childhood memories into a vortex in order to save life as we know it wow that is so much and like Pennywise turns out to be a spider Maybe a lady spider, because obviously Stephen King's got problems. They did try to reference that a bit in the film, I think. Yeah. There was the image of something hurtling in from outer space. So I thought that they were trying to touch on that, but that that dimensional rip, (laughs) that can stay in the book. There was no turtle. (laughs) For which I'm glad. All right. uh, We're going to, how many traumatized childhoods out of five are you going to give it? Oh, God. Just mine. I'll give it my traumatized out. No. I reckon... Look, I would give it a solid three and a half ruined childhood. (laughs) Yeah, similar. I say three and a half, but I think um, if I was, like, writing for a magazine and I was trying to be, like, more objective about the measurement, I'd say a four. Really? Mm. If I was writing for a magazine, I would want to come off as really snooty, so I'd say three. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and back to books. Back to books. Back to books. You read a book this week. I read a book this week it's called uh lost you by Halen beck yeah tell all right. us about it boom i will yeah don't rush me tell us about it let me just get my glasses <laughs> and uh i'll uh, crack open the book it has a hard cover i love that yeah well is I... that a dust jacket that's what it's called right? that's a dust jacket oh my god what a cute term yeah dust jacket dust jacket it's so cute. a dust jacket <laughs> for the book all right i'm gonna leave it alone i love that you're just like it's like a little jacket for the book <laughs> So let me read to you a little bit of the uh, blurb on the back. 
Libby Reese has earned this vacation. There was a time she wouldn't have dreamed of splurging on a frivolous trip with her young son Ethan. Three years ago, for instance, when her husband left her alone to raise newborn Ethan. When she became a single mother while at the same time struggling to launch her writing career. But now Libby has sold her first novel and everything finally seems to be falling in place. At her agent's urging, she books a room for two at a luxurious resort. Even as she steps off the plane, the warm Florida air is perfect and the hotel is almost too good to be true. So why can't she stop looking over her own shoulder? Okay, so... Sounds great, firstly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then her son disappears. Okay. He disappears into an elevator and then... That's not a thing. So he, well, he he, got, he runs into the <laughs> elevator while she's a bit too far away, and he presses all the buttons. Okay, I thought you meant like I was still in Stephen King universe. Right, right, right. Like <laughs> he, goes he goes in the in elevator and, and then just it... like devours him. Oh, right, the elevator's a yeah, clown. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that's exactly what happens. Uh, when CCTV footage is found of a woman leading Ethan by the hand, the police are called in. The search intensified, and Libby's initial panic turns to dread. The woman on the video was disturbingly familiar. As she begins to suspect that the problem isn't that Ethan is lost. The problem is that he has been found. Okay, can I can I have a guess? Don't, don't, don't guess. My instant thing is like, okay, so there's some kind of multiple personality now known as dissociative identity disorder where she's actually leading the child away herself. Oh, she kidnapped her own son. Yeah, and then like she's put him somewhere. I mean, like, I kind of hate this trope. Right. But at the same time, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> that she like kidnaps her own son and like puts him somewhere. Right. And then she has to, like, battle herself. Amazing. Yeah, and, like, like, to to find him again. No. Okay. Well, do you know what I thought at first? I was like, identical twins. Oh, right. Like, she stole her twin's son. Yeah. And then her twin's like, oi, that's my son. (laughs) But, yeah, so I think it's it's really interesting because the woman looks, also looks almost identical to her. How do you know? Because I read the book. (laughs) I read the damn book, so this for me it's the perfect setup i love like i will pick a book up yeah of course you will because of the setup yeah you're like oh what a great idea right you're like simple yet brilliant yeah you're like wow her son's been kidnapped but then is he been kidnapped or did she kidnap who's the kidnapper yeah yeah it's it's um yeah very different from a child sleeping in the daytime it's a kidnapping. <laughs> Ew. Do you think um, writers start with that gem of a twist? Or I guess it's different for everyone. Or do they just start writing? Yeah, I don't know. Because sometimes some authors, they like craft these wonderful, weird things like Agatha Christie. Yeah. And guys, I'm about to ruin Murder on the Orient Express. But, you know, you think there's one murderer. It turns out the entire train murdered him. You know what I'm saying? Like that's... That's genius. Did she start with the train murder and then work her way backwards? It's like Gone Girl. I saw, uh, who wrote that? Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn, my bad. I saw the, she posted a picture of the, all the post-it notes and like, it looked like a serial killer connector board, you know? Right. In her basement. Wow. Look, guys, if Gillian Flynn goes missing, it probably wasn't her husband. Look, I love her book. (laughs) I've read, so she has three of them. So she has um, Gone Girl, Sharp Things. Sharp Objects, and another one that was also really good. Oh, yeah, 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 About yeah, Munchausen's yeah. by proxy. Oh! Um, such delicious... 
oh, mystery detective novels. Yes. Uh, I remember when I read Gone Girl, even though I knew the premise of Gone Girl, when I turned that page onto that first section of, of her writing, and I was just like, oh, I didn't <laughs> you know. it. I didn't really? know when I read it because, yeah, I had, the film hadn't come out or it hadn't, yeah, I just hadn't yes. known the ending yet. Uh, so she, I always wait for her to release another book and she released like a vignette. What? And I was like, no. You were like, no. This does not satisfy me. I will not buy this. <sighs> You're like, write me a whole book or go to hell. Exactly. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? Talking about Lost You by okay. Halen Beck. Yep. So yeah, I mean, I just, I love a great premise like that. And you know, it's twisty, it's turny. It's Buildy, it's Bernie. You know what I'm saying? I, I like that rhyme. Yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm I'm like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> but uh I'm gonna say profane. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like I would not eat it on a drain, I would not eat it in the rain, I would not eat it with a duck, I will not eat it, you stupid fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's boom. Uh yes. so basically we've got flashback to then and now uh between libby and this woman who has taken her son or has she taken her son Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying there's some fun with emphasis i really like like a a, a fictional child kidnapping (laughs) you gotta you gotta have that fictional in there i just feel like it should go without saying but inevitably someone will be like you love child murder it's like (laughs) No, I don't. <laughs> like, I don't. Look, no one kidnap any children. <laughs> like, fictional child kidnapping. <laughs> Look, they make for really great suspense. I also love, and I wouldn't, I'm not going to give anything away about this particular book, but I do love a, 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 a crime book where no one dies. And that is not the case in this book. Okay. <laughs> Just so, so we know. Kidnapping and murder. There's, there is murder. Okay. Um,. <laughs> Tell us, you know, we've only got a few minutes left, but is there anything you want to say about uh, Lost You by Halen Beck? Halen. That's a nice name. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's a pen name. Um, Oh, is it? Yeah. Why do people have pen names? I don't know. I think it's, I think for this one, the guy's name, he also writes as Stuart Neville. So I think it's maybe like a change in genre. Okay, that makes sense. I think the one thing that I have to say is like, it's really well written, but it's got this kind of like... Did you ever read P.D. James's Children of Men? Um, I've seen the film. Okay. It was a brilliant it's film. It's a great yeah. film. It's a great film. But in the book, one of the things that happens is that uh, women can't carry babies, right? So all of these ladies go baby crazy. Yeah. And they're like pushing around like dolls in, in prams. Like, I have a baby. And everyone's like, well, you're baby crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. this has the same kind of like level. And and also to bring up another P. James, Peter James, yeah, yeah. it's got another level of that kind of like, it's growing in me kind of like weird shit going on. Are you, do you mean like uh, this idea of um, pregnancy and the very uh, like uh, hysteria connected to yes. it and like, I think that women's bodies and pregnancy, it's like maybe quite mysterious to men, maybe. <laughs> male writers and they often so, yeah, they types use, of it, men, yeah. They use it as like a, a plot device. Look, Am I being yes. fair? Yeah, well, okay, so first of all, P.D. James is actually a woman. I know, uh, and I she... know. <laughs> yeah, look, I think there is. I think there's an element here of just like, I actually read most of this book without uh, knowing Halen Beck's gender, so... I'm not, I'm not being like, oh, Halen Beck, you're not a feminist. What I'm saying is I was just like, I found the whole pregnancy section of this book uh, a little bit like weird. Like they were just like, I don't know. They were like, 
I have a, like, maybe there was, like, a hysterical pregnancy and they're like, ah, I'm pregnant and crazy. And then also, like, a real pregnancy and he's like, I'm pregnant and pregnancy is magic and this is my one true baby. I have to say in defense of Halen Beck, I feel like you're part of a particular worldview. Yeah. Where you don't really believe in, like, biological determinism. That's true. <laughs> and you have, like, quite, you have quite a strong critique of... Um, men and women and yep. like yep. pregnancy yep. and what it means yep. to be a family. Yeah. And then I, like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you're part of a slim minority <laughs> that feel this way and I am with you, but I feel as though maybe the vast majority would get really into these ideas. No, and I agree with really that. Snotty? No, I don't think, okay. look, let's be honest. Am I a nerd? Yes. Am I a snooty snob? Yes. <laughs> Do I go to sleep with a teddy bear that has gender trouble tucked into it? <laughs> also, yes. I, I, I think the thing for me was I just like wasn't living for that. And but here's the thing: the things he's describing. I think they happen. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, like they do happen. No, phantom pregnancy. Yeah, phantom pregnancy. It's a thing. A fucking weird phenomenon. And it'd be so intense. And also, like, when people are pregnant, from what I understand, like, you do have these huge hormonal and emotional changes from from carrying, like, a little bean inside you. Like, it's a thing. Like, I'm not not saying that anything he's describing is untrue. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Don't cross a heavily pregnant woman. Oh, my God, right? You don't want to do that. You will die. (laughs) You will die and she will not be convicted. (laughs) Uh, All right, folks, I'm sorry. We are over time. We're going to have to wrap it up. But uh, Eddie, thanks for coming on my show. I appreciate it. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) If you have any comments, jump onto our Twitter and our Insta at CrimeTimePod. You can email us at CrimeTimePodcast at gmail.com. I can't believe you called me a snob. (laughs) Um, Very quickly, we also have a... uh, what would you say? How would you describe Frank a, and Co. It's readers? a beta reading service. It's a beta reading service. You can check us out at frankcoreaders.com. Yeah. You can check out that service uh, via link on our Crime Time website. Yeah, boom. Send us your manuscript. You might be in the early stages. You might have completed it. You might be too scared to show it to someone. Send yeah. it to us. We'll give you our best ideas. Maybe there's a hysterical pregnancy in it and all it needs is another woman character who doesn't have a hysterical pregnancy. <laughs> like, maybe that's it. <laughs> all right, see you next time, folks. Bye. Bye.